Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea, or maybe a frothy ale. The light, why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Rand found himself facing the end of the pass where the humans were reforming. Pennants stirring beneath gleaming lance points. Wounded men wavered in their saddles. Riderless horses reared and galloped. Plainly, they could not stand another meeting. Yet just as plainly, they readied themselves for one final charge. Rand, Chapter 51, Eye of the World. Hello and welcome back. I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And we are The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. And today is our last Eye of the World recap, reread, whatever we're calling this. It is. It is. I can't <laughs> believe it. It just doesn't feel that long ago that we were like, how should we do this? How many chapters should we do each week? And here we are. Here we are. Here yeah. we are. <laughs> it's the end. It's the end. And at the same time, just the beginning. Do we want to say thank you to the most recent review that we had that Ooh, you sent me? Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. This one was from Moonchild, and I love that they wrote First Sisters I on know. there. It's so sweet. Thank you, Moonchild, so much. Mm-hmm. It really... We love we love hearing back from people and my heart swells. Yes, indeed. It was really sweet. Anytime we get like I mean, we don't like I said before, we don't always check them right away, but we do check them and it's always thrilling. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um Chapter fifty one. Yeah, I'm good to get going. I'm okay. So we left off with the green man killing Balthamel and Moraine is attacking Aganor. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, everyone runs. And as Rand is running away, he hears Moraine screaming. So as he's running off, he is being chased by Aganor. And I interpret it as Aganor is not trying to kill Rand, but capture him mm-hmm. and bring him to Baalzaman. Mm-hmm. And Rand sees this golden shining rope and it's connected to Aganor. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. cord is kind of infusing Aganor with strength. Mm-hmm. And then this rope cord thing kind of brushes over Rand and he starts to feel the strength mm-hmm, himself. Mm-hmm. And again, I interpreted the cord to be the flow of Sidene from the eye of the world. So mm-hmm. the untainted pure essence of Sidene. Mm-hmm. That's how I understood it, too. Yeah. Okay. I had to go back and re- like reread it mm-hmm. because these chapters were kind of, they're wild. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that happens, and I feel as though you're so excited, it's easy to kind of, like, run through it to get to the next thing to kind of see what's happening. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you, when you slow down, I know it always takes me a minute to slow down, all those little things are tricky, you know? Yeah. Like, what are they, what does this really mean? Because it doesn't really ever flat out say Aganor is connected to mm-hmm. this 
pure pool of seeding, we are just supposed to interpret it, like you said, that this is what it is. And in that whole, like, no, it's mine, like, that mm-hmm. helps to give off that as well. But there's the no... clues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do have to say on Agonor's behalf, because he is a truly terrible human being, um, <laughs> he at least is the only Forsaken who seems to have the conviction of killing Rand rather than taking him prisoner. Yeah, and I think, too, there's something about him being connected to this untainted flow of Sidene where he's kind of experiencing this surge in power. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this would kind of pull him away from whatever plans he was given, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like Agonor, retrieve Rand. But then he's got this flow, like, surging through him, and he's like, I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, he's like, I'm unstoppable. I can do everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how, I mean, that's how I would feel, (laughs) you know? So... Yeah, so this causes Agonor to freak out, and he's all like, mine, mine, you know, like, it belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And Rand is yelling back at him, and then Agonor bursts into flames. And so after this, Rand is transported mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. And he finds himself in the middle of a battlefield. Mm-hmm. And there are men fighting Trollocs and Drakkar attempt to attack Rand, but then they're struck by lightning. And this is kind of coming from this quote that we took here at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. So Rand screams for it to end and he's beating his fists on the ground. And as he's doing this, these massive hordes of Trollocs are swept away by kind of like rolling earth and mm-hmm. fire. Mm-hmm. And then everything goes quiet. Yeah. And I, the only thing that I kind of added to this part is just the level of absolute anguish that comes across from Rand in this moment when things start to catch on fire and the earth starts rolling away from him and he's like please no and I counted it there are seven O's on that no (laughs) so you know (laughs) it's bad it's bad he's being pulled along at this point he doesn't even really fully recognize himself as himself do you know what I mean yeah I think because of that lack of self that's in this that's kind of one of the the things that adds to the mystery is like he doesn't really identify himself so he doesn't really identify other things as things that he would know we would know does that make sense yeah yeah i, definitely. I don't want to just be rambling it's well it's hard because i'll get into it later okay but okay there's something about these these types of battles that rand is having right now mm-hmm. that are Kind of hard to explain and dissect. I agree. As we go on, something or someone starts speaking to Rand telepathically. Mm -hmm. And this is all in caps. Mm -hmm. So we know that it's not a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And as this is happening... There's a dome of air that surrounds Rand. And he's seeing these like magical stairs Mm -hmm, appear mm -hmm. and he kind of is being led upwards and this voice is like not here Mm -hmm. so rand is ascending these stairs while men who are described as borderlanders fight the remains of the trollic army left below yeah and rand's done some he's done some good work he's 
blasted through about half of them, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So Rand opens this door at the top of the stairs and enters by blasting it open. Mm-hmm. And Baalzaman is there and he's all like, oh, hey, you know, you've made it. The search has ended. I know you. Right. And Rand, and Rand is like, I'm done running. <laughs> and then Baalzaman is like, kneel or die. <laughs> so... Then Rand sees this black rope connected to Baalzaman, and mm-hmm. this is similar to the golden cord that he is connected to. Mm-hmm. And Baalzaman shows Rand some visions of the people he loves, and they're all suffering. Yeah. Egwene is there, Nynaeve is there. And his mother, Carrie Althor. Mm-hmm. And all of them are screaming, and Rand is screaming, and he grabs for his sword, but it's no longer his heron marked blade, yeah. but a sword of pure light. Mm-hmm. And white fire st- starts shooting from it and kills the surrounding shadow spawn. So then he hears someone tell him, Thank you, and light bless you, son, mm. which. I interpreted as to be from Carrie Althor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Okay. But Alzaman gets worried that Rand is not doing what he's thinking and that he'll die. Mm-hmm. But Rand uses his sword to cut Baalzaman's black rope. Mm-hmm. And then he blasts him with fire and watches him burn and scream. So... Lots of fire, mm-hmm. um, lots of lightning. Lots of screaming. Yeah, we are seeing a lot of nods to the elements, mm-hmm. you know, like fire, earth, mm-hmm. yes, electricity. Yeah, I don't point. know if that's one. Air for that dome and air. the, the yep. stairs that he ascends. Had to have been done mm-hmm. with air, you know, like that. Right. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't even noticed that. <laughs> but in this moment, he's watching Baalzaman scream and then everything goes black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I personally found this moment with Carrie Thor poignant and a little heartbreaking because when Baalzaman uses Nynaeve Green and Carrie to distract Rand, Rand is like, no way, and Green and Nynaeve disappear, but Carrie stays. And Baalzaman's response is, this one at least belongs to me, you know? And mm-hmm. she, like, says to him, the father of lies has a honeyed tongue for unwary souls. And I think she really was trapped. I think that really was Rand's mother's soul. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that was a projection. I think I think the Dark One really got her. Do you know what I mean? I don't. You don't? I it, okay. I think it was a projection. Okay. I think... Maybe Rand is hearing what he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. He's had this back and forth with Baalzaman, where Baalzaman is telling him, you know, the White Tower wants to control mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. make you their puppet. And he's facing all of these questions like, who do I trust? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would be his innermost self hoping to hear like don't trust this man don't trust Baal Zaman mm. he knows in his heart that Baal Zaman is 
a baddie. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. There's absolutely. no question about it. But I don't know. That's a really good. That's a really great question. I looked at it from like a parental point of view. Like if mm-hmm. you are a parent and your your soul is floating around out there and you are suddenly offered an opportunity. Like what if what if the dark one was like your son is in trouble. He's going to die if you do not do X, Y, and Z. And we are vulnerable as parents when it comes to our mm-hmm. children for the things that we would be willing to do for them. Oh, so you're saying like maybe there was a... Like a like petition get, to her from the right, dark like one. like a choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. What if she, Carrie Althor is a dark friend? Confirmed. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I don't well, know if I, I mean, can handle that. Okay, but I mean, but, yeah. But, but what if... <gasps> You know, what if she thought that she was sacrificing herself to save him, mm-hmm. but in reality, making a deal with the devil mm-hmm. type situation where she was tricked Ooh, into something? Yeah. Ooh, that's a good point, too. Who knows? Listeners, Listeners tell us. Who has, who has Carrie <laughs> Thor theories? I want those. Yeah. But yeah, I was, that part really hit me and how he, he says, like, tears trickled down her cheeks. And they burned him like acid, like him seeing those mm-hmm. those tears really hurt Rand. So my mother-son connection is very strong. So I, of course, cannot help but feel this moment. And I like, I like that we have opposing opinions on this. Yeah. And another thing that I'm just looking at here, I love how there's this description where it's giving us opposites and mm. it's very visceral. And he's saying tears trickled down her cheeks and it burned him like acid. Mm -hmm. And then in the next sentence, she says, the father of lies has a honeyed tongue. Mm -hmm. So it's like he's giving us these words like acid and honey. Mm -hmm. And they both have a really meaningful sense about them just within two sentences. It's it's beautifully written. Agreed. This part always moves me. And I think I I always have to read it closely because – I never remember exactly how everything happens because there's so much that happens. And really, let's be honest, once you get to book 14, remembering book one is a bit challenging. At least it is for me. Maybe other people have like amazing memories and good (laughs) for you guys, but that's not me. Um, So chapter 52. um, Yes. And this one is, there is neither beginning nor end. And I just... Right out the gate. Gross. Just gross. Poor Rand wakes up in the ashes of Agonor. And it's described as greasy and oily. <laughs> so gross. It's so gross. And, he, like, and, and Agonor is disgusting anyway. anyway. So it's like. So whoa. on top of it, it's just extra disgustingness. Mm-hmm. It says that his that Rand's stomach heaved and twisted. And I was like, me too. Me too. That's uh, that's pretty vile. And he does end up vomiting over the edge of the cliff that he sees underneath him because so much puking in these last so episodes, or these last much, chapters, right? <laughs> vomiting in the waves, vomiting mm-hmm. in the blight, vomiting over edges of cliffs. There's just a lot. My poor stomach can barely <laughs> handle this. <laughs> um, but what I think is is striking 
is something that kind of started in the chapter before, and that's almost like a sort of PTSD amnesia. Like what he's gone through is so traumatic that he's just like, oh yeah, me. That means I. And he's not quite sure who he is, where he is, what has happened, and everything feels just kind of disassociated. Yes, very much so. Perfect word. So this is it's sim I mean, it's so similar to when he falls off of that wall and into the mm, gardens with mm -hmm. Elaine and Gawain, and he's kind of like knocked unconscious, but here it's similar, but it's almost like this use of so much of the one power combined with the horrors of what he's just experienced. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So he comes to and he realizes that there are people that are missing around him and he needs to go find them. And so he does. And he kind of rushes into the clearing where Moraine, Nynaeve, and Egwene mm -hmm. are all recovering from this battle that they've had. And Rand is happy to see Egwene because at first he's like, who is she? And then he's like, yes, of course. And all the things come rushing back and he reaches out to touch her cheek. And he's like, did I imagine it? Did she just pull away from me for real? Yeah, she, flin she flinches. She flinches when he reaches to touch her. And then this is another really beautifully worded line. Yes, the yes, eyes, yes. The wisdom's eyes were old, ancient in her young face. And of course... Of course, like what they've just faced together, what she faced mm -hmm. is terrifying. So I think this is truly beautiful because it's how many times have we heard Nynaeve say, you know, or be kind of mistreated because she's yeah. in this position, but such a young woman that people don't take her seriously. And I feel like if she knew him saying that her eyes were ancient and describing these, describing how he sees her mm -hmm. and saying that, you know, her eyes were old and ancient in her young face, that almost gives me this feeling of wisdom. Absolutely. Which, I mean, she is the wisdom. Right. But I think, like, if she, I think she knows that Rand really cares about her mm -hmm. and they have such a special bond and we've seen it earlier within mm -hmm these chapters but yeah. oh my heart my heart exactly yeah so Rand has this moment when he's kind of nonchalantly pushing away the fact that what has happened has happened and he's like you know everything's fine because I killed him Shaitan or Shaitan and Maureen is like no you still can't say that and he's like but he's dead I killed him with Oh, shit. And then Rand recognizes fully what has happened and why Egwene has flinched away from him because he is like, I channeled the one power, but no man can channel the one power without. And it's a dot, dot, dot in the book, but mm -hmm. it's that because we can fill in the blanks without going insane, without potentially killing people you care about. You know, this, this is a nice little callback to... Moraine telling Lord Agalmar that she's bringing these boys to fight at the eye of the world. Yeah. And Lord Agalmar recognizes that, oh, you're using 
boys that actually can't fight with swords, how else will this battle be fought? And once Lord Agomar like puts the pieces together, yep. he starts sweating mm-hmm. and he grabs for where his sword would be. Mm-hmm. And Moraine is like, no, no, like they're t- Taviran. Mm-hmm. And kind of like eases the tension. Mm-hmm. But seeing this hardened, battled man have such a strong reaction, it's completely understandable why Egwene would pull away. Yeah. And I I mean, I feel like I dump on Egwene a lot, but in this moment, I understand her reaction. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't nice, but it's completely understandable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's instinctive. They get mm-hmm. these, these stories... From the time Past, they're young, yeah. yes, and all of the stories, especially about like Luce Theron, he's mm-hmm. the kinslayer. You know, mm-hmm. he isn't given a kind nickname or a kind reputation, and then men who can channel just follow through on that reputation with what has happened because of the taint. And it's almost yeah. like everyone has forgotten that men and women used to channel together and that it was a good thing, that great things came about because of it. So it's just, I don't know. How the times have turned. Right, yeah. <laughs> things things have changed since back in the day. Um, let's see here where... Okay, so yeah, so we mentioned that Egwene pulls away from Rand, but then she throws her arms around him and is like, Rand, it's okay, blah, blah, blah. And Nynaeve does a bizarre form of comforting and she's like, you're an Emmons fielder, but damn it, Rand, you are too dangerous. And I believe Rand says something about how looking in her eyes, he sensed uh, loss already happening or something along those mm-hmm. lines. So he's starting to feel disconnected from the people that he mm-hmm. deeply cares about. And that is unfortunate. Maureen mentions... And, oh, sorry, go ahead. He- Oh, and two, he could be seeing, you know, what he sees in himself. Mm, You know what I mean? What's the word for that? Projection. Uh, Projecting. Mm -hmm. He could be projecting his own worries onto what he's feeling from Egwene and Nynaeve because we don't have their point of view. We only know what Rand is saying Mm -hmm. and what he's describing. So maybe it's not... You know, it's a little bit of that narrator bias. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but we don't know. Yeah, good point. Like, you, we all see different things through our own lens. So mm-hmm. this is the lens that Rand is, is giving us. In this moment, Maureen is lying on the ground. She is wounded and weak, but she's still part of the conversation, of course. And she mentions that she had her suspicions about Rand, but no proof. And it was the coin. Like she was like, you should have you should have just fallen in line after I gave you that coin, but you didn't. And that raised my suspicions. And then Bella, because they get to wherever it was that they were supposed to get to. And Bella was the least tired. And Maureen's like, you needed something more than you'd ever needed anything in your life before. And she was like, you I mean, I don't know if she straight out says it, but like he was the one who was reviving Mm -hmm. Bella's health. And that doesn't even include the things that we know he does later on as well. So he's been on Bale Doman's boat. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) He's been using he's been using the power without realizing it through the majority of the book, really. Mm -hmm. So now that the full amount of Sadine has been used, 
there is something in the center of the eye. The pool is gone, and Matt, Loyal, Perrin, and Lan have all gone to the pool to see, or what used to be the pool, to see what's on this column sitting in the middle of it. And when they so come- they're just yeah, they're kind of they're they're all together. They're together. So this conversation is happening with just Moraine, Egwene, and Nynaeve. And Moraine lets Rand know he can tell everyone else that when he's ready, when the and actually she says, when the pattern makes you make it known, mm-hmm. you know? And she was like, Lan knows because he has to. And Nynaeve and Egwene should know for who they are and who they are going to become. And I also like that because we know they're on their, their way to becoming Aes Sedai. Perrin, Loyal, Matt, and Lan return. Loyal carrying a large and ornate chest. Perrin is holding a bundle of white cloth. And Matt has pieces of pottery in his hands. And we find out the pottery are is the broken pieces of a seal to the Dark One's prison. And it's made out of heart stone, which Lan demonstrates the strength of by, like, trying to pierce it with... A knife and the knife breaks instead of scratching the heartstone. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> the ornate chest has the horn of Valir in it because of course it does. Dun da da da. Right, and I mean <laughs> actually that part for me was always kind of exciting. Like it's another section that's been unlocked. It's almost like a. RPG video game and you just got yeah. this thing mm-hmm. where this moves you to next, the next yeah next next mission yeah. next level here you go we find out that the Horn of Valir says uh the grave is no bar to my call and they need to get this to Ilian because I guess because. yeah because I'm like why because does it, Moraine says so why does it need to go to Ilian I don't I don't get it and then the white piece of cloth is the dragon's banner um I have I have questions about this banner. Regardless. So this is the banner that Luce Theron held during battles. This was basically the the battle flag of the mm-hmm. light because that was the side that he represented and that was who he was. All three of these pieces are going to lead to new paths for everyone involved, whether they realize it right now or not. That's what's coming. So Moraine wonders if the power that was drained from the eye was used for the purpose it had been intended for. And I know we talked about that last week mm-hmm. in like the spoiler section. I also question whether or not it was the right time to use it. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't... We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just... Whatever. And then Maureen announces that it is too late to leave for the day, but they need to get out of there because what the green man had made, the blight is starting to take back. And Rand questions about having finished off the dark one. He's like, we won, right? Like that, that happened. And she's all like super mysterious. And she says, we have done what we came here to do. From here, you may live your life as the pattern weaves. Eat, then sleep, Randall Thor. Sleep and dream of home. Hmm. Many things could be encoded into right? this the statement. little yeah. paragraph. It definitely, yeah. like, sends my wheels spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some stuff about that in the in the spoiler section to chat about. Too, Perfect. So. Yeah, yeah. But that wraps up Perfect. that chapter for me. If you have... Do you have anything? 
No. no? Cool. I'm, I'm ready for 53, the wheel turns. So this forested sanctuary that the green man was protecting is dying now. And Moraine is incredibly weak from facing off Aganor. They actually make a litter by tying two things to two different horses so she can kind of lay in it. Mm -hmm. And poor Loyal is enraged. And he's seeing that the blight is consuming the great oak that marks the grave of the green man. Mm -hmm. So he approaches this grave or this oak tree and then uses his tree singing to restore life to it. I love it. And it's described as like a low rumble Mm -hmm. that's kind of like one with the earth. Mm -hmm. And Rand is thinking I wasn't even sure if he was singing or if it was just, you know, like the earth Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of. Yeah. like That's how I interpreted it. He says like he because this this caught me. He said that he thought he could hear the sound of butterflies Mm-hmm. wings i've never heard butterflies wings but it sounds nice right you know right like, that part that part just caught me because i'm like that must be so quiet but to list it as something that you hear what a question okay i'm really curious how they would make something like that for the tv show like how would you incorporate singing that has the sound of, you know, butterflies, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also sounds like kind of like a buzzing rumbling. In the Very wind. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We're going to have to talk later about the teaser trailer. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of forgot that happened. Yesterday was wild. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the blight is surprisingly quiet and they all retreat mm-hmm. back to Faldara and notice that spring has come to the borderlands. And when they reach the border to Faldara, they are greeted by soldiers and the mood is exuberant. The soldiers are celebrating a great victory against the shadow in Tarwin's Gap and the fact that spring has come. Yep. So Agalmar, Lord Agalmar takes the party, or no, 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 I'm sorry. Sorry, all I could think of for a second was, bust out the trollic heads! It's time to party! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry, I'm done. Sorry. (laughs) How many trollic heads are they decorating after this great victory? All of them. All of them. As many as you can get. Yeah. (laughs) Ingtar takes the party to Lord Agalmar, but he's angry that... He missed out on the fighting, and if you remember, Ingtar had to lead Lan and Moraine and the crew into the Blight. Yeah. And then once they reached the border, they, you know, let them go, said their goodbyes, and Ingtar's like, I got to get back to the battle. I want to fight. I want to kill some Trollocs. He didn't make it, so he's all grumbly. He's pissy like a toddler that didn't get his treat (laughs) at snack time. Mm Mm-hmm. Poor Ingtar. Lord Agomar meets with Moraine and he tells her that the creator joined them in battle. And he thinks this because he saw a man doing things that no man should be able to do. Mm-hmm. Lord Agomar also assures Moraine that Potan Fane is imprisoned and essentially not a threat. He says that he's been basically speaking gibberish and then commanding the guards like, He's actually in charge. Mm-hmm. So we're still seeing this kind of like split personality coming from Pot on Fane. Very through much. Through what Lord Agomar is telling us. 
Then Moraine shows Lord Agamar what the party recovered at the Eye of the World. She has the Horn of Valir and explains she will need assistance transporting it to Ilion. And Lord Agamar is gobsmacked. He can't believe that he is seeing what he's really seeing. And in his head, he's thinking, you know, we can do so much with this. This is what we need to fight. Mm-hmm. And Moraine is like, sorry, I've got other plans mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. So after this exchange happens, Agomar agrees and he will organize an escort for Moraine to take the Horn of Valir to Ilion. Mm-hmm. Then we get a little bit of a time lapse and it's about a week later Rand is practicing with the sword and he meets Egwene. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to Egwene that, you know, he's deciding he wants to leave his friends behind. And this is because he's terrified of going mad in the taint on Sidene. So yeah. he knows how dangerous he is. He doesn't want to put anyone he loves mm-hmm. in this path. Yeah. And Egwene wants him to come to Tarvalin, but Rand says he's not going to go. And he's thinking to himself, you know, like, I'll never go home again. And I'm never going to channel Sidene again. Mm -hmm. Which we know he doesn't really have that control. As we've seen previously, just in the other chapter, he's throwing fireballs and wielding lightning Mm -hmm. without even trying to do it. Yeah. But he's trying to, I guess, make these decisions based on the fact that he loves his friends and his family and he doesn't want to put them in danger. Then we move to Moraine's point of view. And this little bit sneaky at the end Moraine. is... Sneaky Moraine. Sneaky. Yes. Sneaky. Yes. Love it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Moraine is listening in on Rand's conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's using her quisiera, mm-hmm. which is her jewelry that she wears on her forehead, her little blue jewels. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of using this as... Something to ground her while she's channeling and like eavesdrop. Mm -hmm. So she uses the special weave and hears the conversation from far away. And we learn that as a young girl, this was actually the first weave that she had ever learned. Yep. And then we get this kind of like hand rubbing, maniacal, a little bit creepy Mm -hmm. moment from Maureen where she's smiling to herself and she believes you know that she has found the true dragon Mm -hmm. and her decade you know her decade long hunt is essentially over Mm -hmm. but it's left right here and it's kind of implying you know she has a plan Mm -hmm. is what it seems like Mm -hmm. and she's kind of like thinking to herself like yes yes like all goes according to plan i found the dragon but i'm really curious to see if this is something that the show will use because i just don't know if they're going to set her up as someone that we should question whether or not she's good or bad well-intentioned yeah Mm -hmm. i think it would have been so much better to have her in a room maybe with Lan or someone and like tears are in her eyes and she's like, we've done it. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've done it after all this time, we found him Mm -hmm. and them having a moment or something. But this works really well for the end of a book because it sets up 
the next and it leaves you with these question marks. Yeah, and for sure. Who knows? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's possible that this might have only been like a standalone standalone novel Mm -hmm. and like this is kind of like an ending where you're like "Ooh, okay like it it could be the end it could be a to be continued absolutely absolutely very well written yeah I agree with you on that and I mean I think it's been said that Jordan hadn't planned on this series being nearly as long as it was so it would Mm -hmm. make sense if he was like leaving it open-ended like he did Mm -hmm. I know I appreciate that but I'm so glad that he didn't stop after book one because there are so many oh my gosh if he would have stopped at book one I don't think that this would be Mm -mm. in the hearts of so many fantasy Mm -mm. readers no but I've I've got stuff about that <laughs> later on, so yeah, we can go to the spoilers. Before we go to the spoilers, I oh, had okay. a couple questions that I wanted to kind of like, Yay! like reactions to the full novel. Mm-hmm. Favorite moment? Do you have a favorite moment? Oh, I got to think on this for a I second. I know, right? Because I don't know if I know it either. I really like the moment where the group is traveling and they are being attacked by trollic hordes on every side. Like they're blowing the horns from behind and kind of like pushing them forward mm-hmm. into a trap. Mm-hmm. And Moraine is channeling and doing all these things. And then this is when Matt yells in the old tongue. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like chaos. Mm-hmm. And I like that because we are not really given a big battle scene in Eye of the World. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that Robert Jordan does so well. Mm-hmm. So I just, I love that little moment of kind of like battlefield tactician from the Merdral, like forcing them into a trap, mm-hmm. but Moraine outsmarting them. I think yes. that was really well written. There's there's a lot of moments, though. I love Rand's interaction with the Grinwells and them, <laughs> you know, like, just, yes. It, yes. it was maybe just, like, one page because all of those chapters are kind of just, like, them traveling mm-hmm. and doing their thing. And then, of course, Rand decking Pater in the nose was superb. That was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I If I had time to think about it, I'm sure I could come back with a really well thought out answer. No, I loved it. I think that that's great because I didn't really think about it either. I just thought about the questions. I was like, what do I? Mm-hmm. But the moment when Rand is sitting on the top of the mast on the spray and it's okay. going back and forth like that arc and then him like letting go and just mm-hmm. sitting up there for a few passes and then when he's doing his like tightrope walk yes trick. and then he comes down and he lifts his arms like ta-da and then <laughs> later looks up at where he had been and mm-hmm. has a holy what the oh. fuck moment mm-hmm. I love that I love that he goes through so much I'm gonna actually go back and say the group entering White Bridge when Moraine and Nynaeve and Lan enter White mm. Bridge and they're explaining what White Bridge looks like. Very well written. And it makes my imagination see things. You know what I mean? Like I'm picturing it. And I'm sure everyone's, you know, mind's eye is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But as it's being described, I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Bale Doman giving us the list of the wonders of the world. Yeah. Because 
Ooh, I like, I'm a sci-fi girl, so, like, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love, like, these kind of mysterious, like, ooh, like, futuristic, wow, those are cool. Yeah, so. yeah. Nice. Favorite character so far? Um, or favorite three? Hmm. I'm not going to limit you. <laughs> Go this wild. Hard. I know, right? Go wild. This is hard because Eye of the World is not my favorite book mm-hmm. in you know, the course of the series and the characters that I really like have immense like growth mm-hmm. throughout the series. And right now we're just giving them like as their I don't want to say basic, but <laughs> they're like most basic mm-hmm. self where the Emmons fielders are all kind of goofballs that don't really understand the way of the world. Mm-hmm. But I would probably say Tom. Mm-hmm. And then some of the minor characters that we'd meet. I mean, I I love Nynaeve. I'm 100%. She's probably my favorite. But in Eye of the World, there's not so much that really sticks out to me where I'm like, I must talk about everything she does. But yeah, Tom, I love Bail Doman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think maybe Lan. Ooh. Just because mm-hmm. he, you know, like everyone needs that sidekick. Moraine is such a badass, but then she's got this, you know, like sidekick and it's cool. Like, I don't know. I like it. He's also the ultimate badass. So it, right? it, it's a really good pairing. He doesn't, he's not intimidated by her. He doesn't mm-hmm. feel like he's yeah. standing in her shadow. That support role is actually something that Lan mm-hmm. almost prefers to the leadership role because he's just, he's such for him having a stone <laughs> face, he has a soft heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like that's that's what I think about for Lan. A man who quotes poetry and it isn't even Lan himself. Mm-hmm. It's just how Robert Jordan writes him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for me it's not even really about his personality, but it's about like when Lan steps up onto the page and says something you can pretty much expect like half the time it's going to be beautifully written Mm -hmm. like when matt has the dagger and it's described as lan made it to the bedside so fast that it seemed he didn't even appear to bother with the intervening space exactly with the intervening space and i'm just like ooh, yes this is this is well written Mm -hmm. and awesome so yeah maybe not lan like personally but I love what Robert Jordan gives us mm-hmm. when Lan steps in to do something it's always well written yeah yeah I don't know if I have an answer for that one either. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard though it's hard it because I mean we know how the series ends mm-hmm. but these characters just there's so much more to the story so it's hard to you know I'm suddenly thinking... See them as their baby self. Yeah, I'm suddenly thinking of Marin Alvier, and I, I really like her. Mm-hmm. Her taking control of things and yes. providing comfort, especially in that beginning craziness after the Trolloc attack in Emmons Field. She's still mothering everyone, mm-hmm. you know? How great are all of the Emmons Fielders, though? I mean, seriously. I want to live there. Carl Lujan. Right. Elspeth Lujan. Like, all of them are just badasses. Even Zen Bui, who is such a D-bag, is 
entertaining. You Definitely. Know I mean? yeah. yeah. And it's funny, too, how it feels as though the entire community is aware that he's just this cantankerous fool. Yeah. And he also seems to be aware of that to some degree <laughs> or another. And he kind of like uses that to his advantage. But there were so many times when you pointed out that he was right about something at the beginning of the book that mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, Mr. Pessimism over here is absolutely necessary in this little village. Like he has to have that role. What would what would the two mm-hmm. rivers or Emmonsfield be like if he weren't there to kind of like tamper everything down with his crotchety old crotchety man self. Well. yeah <laughs> that's the best word for him okay those were the only two things that i kind of wanted to ask like just as a wrap up for this because we finished no the entire it's great book. questions good, yeah good i'm glad and i don't want to like leave every like unveiling of how we felt for the spoiler section because you know i i would yeah, love to hear is... what first time readers have as favorite moments from the books. If anyone wants to send you know that what? to us, I would love before it. We, before we start out with the spoilers, I'm going to say, this, this I can say because it's not a, a real spoiler, but I, it's in the section. When I read Eye of the World for the first time, I was a little bit disappointed with the ending. Yes. And this was a big motivation for me on whether or not I would continue with the series. Mm. The series is massive. It, it is. is huge. And I feel like you need to really commit to something like that. Absolutely. And how Eye of the World ended, I was kind of like, hmm, <laughs> well, I don't know. And I thought, <laughs> I will I will continue onward mm-hmm. with The Great Hunt. Mm-hmm. The Great Hunt is probably my favorite book in the entire series. So... I just want to say to people who are, you know, just starting and just finishing this book, mm-hmm. if you had the same feeling that I did, where that ending was kind of like, oh, yeah. it's all right, yeah. you know, things change <laughs> massively. massively. Yeah. So it's this, you cannot base the series of the Wheel of Time on the Eye of the World. I you can't agree. do it. It's, it's not the same. Mm-mm. It it changes. Mm-hmm. There's a whole different vibe. Yes. I feel like I agree. Not not completely different, but there there are things that you'll notice as you go through. And the pace and, picks up tremendously, especially in the second book, because yeah, there's going to be a parting of ways inevitably with mm-hmm. all of these things that are happening. We already know Rand's talking about leaving. We know Nynaeve and Egwene are off mm-hmm. to Tarvalon. Uh, I think I think out of, you know, like the first three books, if you go Eye of the World, The Great Hunt, The mm-hmm. Dragon Reborn, I would put The Eye of the World as the weakest I would of too. the three. Yeah, I, I would too, because the other, like comparing those three it's better better and then you get to the shadow rising which was like my favorite for so long and i think it might still be it's so good and then it just keeps going and i can see Mm -hmm. how people get fatigued with reading this series because it is really long and other times it just feels like you're flying through it yes i mean i know it it took me almost six over six months to read Eye of the World because I just kept putting it down. Yeah. But then once I finished The Great Hunt, I it I was left on such a high note mm-hmm. that I was like, 
if I end the series here, I would be satisfied. Mm -hmm. But then I talked to you (laughs) and and then you had read like almost everything Mm -hmm. up until the up until a little bit before the very end of the last book, I believe. So, yeah, you got me back into it. And I thought, I think I said the great hunt ends on such a cool Mm -hmm. moment that I wasn't sure if any other books could top that. Mm-hmm. But they do. They, they do. I mean, I personally love The Great Hunt, mm-hmm. but I I don't think it's the best book of the series. Mm-hmm. It's just the one that I appreciate the most. There's I so guess. much that happens. There's so much that happens in that one. Like things that you're not really expecting. Mm-hmm. But we can move on to mm-hmm. spoilers from here if you're ready. Yay! Did you want to yeah. take a bit of a break in between? Yeah, I'm going to be really quick. I left one of the bathroom doors open and there's wind. Hey friends, I know this isn't our usual ad. However, Amber and I wanted to share with you that things are growing and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. First, we finally joined the world of Patreon and would love your support. We have four tiers ranging from $3 a month to $25 a month. To thank you for your support, there are perks for each tier, including exclusive merchandise not sold in our Threadless shop. You can find out more about each tier and how you can support us at Patreon backslash RoadToTarvalin.com or just click on the link in the show notes. Second, our Threadless shop is overflowing with beautiful designs and various items to put them on. We have coffee mugs, phone cases, tote bags, notebooks. There are also plenty of t-shirts and tanks for the summer. Third, we love you guys, really. Thank you for all the support you have given and for keeping us company on the road to Tarvalon. So, against the shadow, spoilers? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On our, I believe it was our last episode, Into the Blight, you had asked for reasons the Blight might feel familiar to Rand, mm-hmm. yep. where maybe it was connected to his channeling. And I was thinking about it the other day. And what if it was him recognizing the taint on Sidene? Oh. And that familiar feeling of general ickiness and. <gasps> Maybe just like the taint on the land being familiar. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like I mean, there are a couple places where he says things look familiar, feel familiar. And I'm always trying to figure out where does that connect later? Because, of course, that's what Jordan mm-hmm. does is callbacks all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But moving on, mm-hmm. I had questions. Yes. <laughs> I think we said earlier, I've got questions. Mm-hmm. How the heck did Rand get to Tarwin's Gap? How was he transported? How did he teleport? It does not make any sense. Right. Okay. So I went in to the beginning of the book mm-hmm. and looked at the way that Jordan described traveling with a capital T. And mm-hmm. I believe it says... So this is after Luce Theron has turned himself into Dragon Mount, literally the biggest monument to his life and death he could possibly mm-hmm. create. It says, on the island, the air shimmered and coalesced. And Ishamael speaks some pithy words, and then he is gone, and the mountain and the island stood alone. So the way that it's described here is almost like a, it feels kind of like a heat shimmer. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where like you kind of like warp out of one place and into another without like a Fata Morgana. What's you know? that? In the desert when you see like the heat waves kind of coming off the sand. Yes. It can look like an illusion of water. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Is something okay. that like kind of bends and flows. It is nothing like traveling with a capital T like we see later on but that also matches up with the prologue because later on when we get traveling it's the slice and rotating mm -hmm. and the opening of a door and there are restrictions and you can you have to be this strong to do this much of a gateway unless you're andrel um and so yeah. it's it's definitely <laughs> like one of those things where it goes back to what we've talked about with Jordan not having everything fully worked out for the first book. And then also how this may have been a standalone novel. So I feel as though the way that Rand describes being in one place and then in another lines up with this travel at the beginning mm -hmm. of the book. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah how, absolutely. That's kind of how I connected it. Whether or not that's actually what happened, because I had the same question like for the longest time and I didn't really think about it until you asked it. And then I was like, oh, I have a thought. And so like <laughs> went back to the prologue, kind of looked for it. And I was like, there it is. I think that's what's happening. This kicks off like so many of the inconsistencies that we see with skimming and traveling later on is this like moment where Rand is first in one place and then in the other. I don't think because mm -hmm. we don't ever really talk about people being able or people being forcefully moved from one place to another. Does that ever happen? I'm nodding my head in agreement. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Do you know what else I noticed about the the Wheel of Time series that's totally off topic, but I also want to tell what? you? <laughs> tell me. There are no prostitutes in the Westlands. That's true. Huh. Weird, right? I just wonder if this is something that Robert Jordan was like too prudish to touch Ooh, on. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he wanted a world where women didn't have to be this sex true, workers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, anyone be sex workers i mean you don't have to be female to be a prostitute but i think it's primarily considered a female occupation all the, overall i just thought that was really interesting like i was i don't remember if i was talking I'm think, to, yeah i'm like i know just right thinking about it yep <laughs> i was i think aiden was talking about watching game of thrones and mm. the moment where oldest profession in the world exactly but not in the westlands mm -hmm. Ooh, and probably not in the age of legends either no, probably not. Mm. Maybe we need a sex in the wheel of time <laughs> <laughs> episode. But regardless, that that really mm -hmm. totally, totally off topic. I'm sorry, but it popped into my head the other day and I had to share that with you. Talking about inconsistencies, mm -hmm. this is just okay. So it's possible Rand traveled with a capital T. Mm -hmm. Maybe he had some deeper knowledge from the Luz Theron mm -hmm. manifestation because he's done it before. Yep. Like when he's in the box, like Luz Theron is like helping him mm -hmm. break out. Yeah. I can get behind that as an explanation. Like I, I feel like I need an explanation. Me too. Yeah. How does he <laughs> know how I'm, to do these things? Yeah. Because when I'm looking for it, Looking at these inconsistencies, I, I want to know. Uh -huh. But again, like, I don't want to be the angry nerd. Like, how? Why? Tell me. But see. You left this, you know, yes. question mark. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and 
I mean, this one in particular, I think, is really good because Egwene, we know can channel. We know Nynaeve can as well. Mm-hmm. But then when they are under attack at that moment at the eye of the world and Egwene is standing there trying to channel, she's not able to do anything. And even if she had been, she wouldn't have been able to channel a tremendous amount of the one power. And she probably wouldn't have known what to do with the weaves even if she was able to hold on to Sadar. So I feel as though going from Egwene as a novice and not in the I've been written into the Mm -hmm. books of the White Tower novice, but just as someone who is first learning Mm -hmm. this, to Rand also being in the same category, and he disrupts the earth and sends Mm -hmm. out fire and calls down lightning and creates a sort of light. How does he know how to do any of that shit? Right. Egwene has had the smallest amount of learning, but with a very capable teacher. Rand has nothing. 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 Mm -hmm. And so instead Mm -hmm. he's like, I can do all these things. And maybe that's also the disassociation that we were talking about earlier, where he's not completely recognizing himself as a self- as himself that's hard to say but <laughs> this could be loose there and kind of like wiggling Guiding. in starting yeah. to kind of like split who rand is in a way that's like just beginning so split or meld yeah however you want to it's yeah it's wild mm-hmm. the next question is how did his heronmark sword transform into a blade of light so i don't think i don't think it i don't think it I don't, yeah, I don't think it transformed, but where was this taking place that Mm. he had a sword of light? Is this a metaphysical battle taking place in a different Mm. timeline or in the world of dreams where he can, you know, summon up something? Walking up those steps, because he does say that this is... The room that Rand walks into is familiar to him because it's the room that Balsamon has created for each one of their encounters in the world of dreams, even though it's not labeled as the world of dreams, we recognize it as such. So perhaps going up that stairway somehow brought but him... that leads to the next question. Yeah, okay. <laughs> even if it is a dream or mm-hmm. just something metaphysical... Mm-hmm. Okay, it can't be because I'm like thinking about this. Mm-hmm. It can't actually be in another realm or another in the world of dreams because the Shinaran soldiers they see him. saw him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They even mistake him for the creator in Tarwin's Gap. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like scratching my head. And then Rand is obviously speaking to someone like telepathically or not speaking to, but he's hearing. Mm-hmm what many people think is the creator Mm -hmm. and the creator says i will take no part only the chosen one can do what must be done Mm -hmm. but then he's saying i will take no part and then just magical stairs Mm -hmm. appear in front of him Mm -hmm. so i'm like getting so many mixed signals (laughs) did rand create the stairs i was just gonna ask that did rand do it did Rand create the stairs? Did the creator who is supposed to not take part in this create the stairs? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, for the love of, love of God, I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I went through and I looked and it's never explained who the person is that's talking to Rand in all caps mm-hmm. because it only happens here. And then it happens again in A Memory of Light mm-hmm. before he goes into the cave 
But Brandon Sanderson said that that's the same construct, that's the same being that's mm-hmm. talking to Rand both of those times in mm. all caps, but he would never answer whether or not it's the creator. Mm-hmm. And that was something that like Robert Jordan wanted to leave unknown. Interesting. So many questions. So many. And really, so I don't... So many questions. I think for for my part, the blade is definitely a blade of Rand's creation. I think he likens it to the Heronmark blade because that's what he's familiar to or familiar mm-hmm. with. And also the fact that he holds that Heronmark blade almost as a talisman, mm-hmm. a reminder, an anchor to his past, to his father, to who he feels he really is inside. So it would make sense that he would assume that that's what he would reach for, but have a different, more... But if that's his talisman, why, why did it change into using? something different? Mm-hmm. Maybe he created the tool that he would need to fight the person he was fighting? Because... Yeah, but then how would he know? I mean, how does he know what he needs to... It just it just <sighs> kind of like locks into his brain and he just does it. There's no training. There's no guidance. He just is like, oh, I made a sort of light. Oh, you have a black rope that eats light hanging off the back of you. I'm going to hack that off, which also is very different from later on from shielding people. Like, mm-hmm. shouldn't he have created a shield with, like, spirit and air or whatever it is that they use and used that to shield him instead of a sword that's not a sword that's not Kalendor, not a sword? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and this creator, this being, this entity says it's not here. Mm-hmm. Well, what's not here? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's not cool, here? Cool, thanks. It, the end of the story, the, the <laughs> end of the the end of the battle, I mean... So many questions. His, the the spare um, bowstring he lost in the river. That's that's what's there. It's, yeah, he's been missing it this whole time. It was he just needed oh. to go to the eye of the world and ta da. Yeah, no, just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, you're not really given a whole lot to go off of. So what is it? And again, so early in the series, would we have any idea of? Who is speaking to him? Why mm-hmm. they're speaking to him? What they're talking about? And I mean... This is why when I finished The Eye of the World the first time, I was disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't like this, these unknowns. Yeah. And it's kind of what put me off of the series, I guess, where I'm like, okay, like this weird metaphysical battle, magic stairs just appear, a blade of light appears. Mm-hmm. Rand somehow knows how to do what he needs to do. All the and things. And it's never, yeah, it's never explained. <laughs> no. And so, even Moraine later on is like, I think in the next chapter, she says something about how he would need a teacher and she can't be that mm-hmm. teacher. So if she's assuming that he needs a teacher, how does he already know how to do all these things that he ends up doing? And why does she want to take him to the White Tower if no one there can actually really help him? Yeah, and she's not planning on gentling him. Yeah. Tons yeah. of questions. But yeah, you're so oh, right. I just want to say this. I don't know for sure if she actually intends on taking him to the White Tower. Mm. Her plans might have changed somewhere along the route. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean... And I mean, yeah, because even with her first saying that the Horn of Valir needs to go to Ilian, I mean, I know that that's where they call the hunt for the horn, but would the horn need to be taken to Ilian? I don't know. It just confuses me as to why she chooses that, and later on it gets, like, harbored at the White Tower, you know? 
There are just Maybe a lot of we changes. Need to do a 101 on the Horn of Valier. I really then... want to. I think that would be yeah. a really good idea, especially like leading up to the Great Hunt. I feel like there are definitely a few things we could probably touch on, like portal stones and the Horn of Valier and. Maybe even, I mean, that probably goes along with it. Regardless, there are lots of ideas for 101s before we move into the next yeah. book. Ilion is, that's where they, like, rally yeah. behind the horn, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why would you so maybe gather it's... up the hunters for the horn at the place where you already have the horn? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. If they talk about taking it to the White Tower and hiding it there, I totally get that. Okay, maybe it's not exactly a part of the prophecy, but... If he gets the Horn of Valir to Ilion, who are like the most fervent people that will rally behind the horn, then she can project this noble man, Randall Thor, mm. as the dragon reborn, and then he'll have his first army behind him. Oh, interesting. So use it as like a rallying tool for Rand? Right. Possibly. 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 I don't know. No, I love it. I mean, that's that's the point of asking hypotheticals is trying to find out what makes sense. Because, I mean, it is fiction. So any answer can be the right answer. And I love that. It's so open-ended. But there are things that I feel like the world kind of also creates to keep you kind of in a container. Like, these things are possible, but these things are not possible. And you can't kind of break out of that if you want to stay in this particular universe. I really liked the fact that you mentioned that other people think that it's the creator because I, maybe I'm slow. This was my first time thinking that this is perhaps this voice is not the dark one. I always thought it was the dark one. And this time I was like, wait, but he refers to him as the chosen one. Does that mean that maybe it's the creator? Because does the Dark One ever refer to Rand as the Chosen One? And it doesn't seem like it. No. And I mean, getting that like stamp, pow, mm -hmm. I'm the creator, you're the Chosen One. And by the way, all on you. Some people think the creator and the Dark One are the same entity. Oh, interesting. So it's like Where... Pod and Fane. <laughs> he's more creator than dark one depending mm -hmm. on the day but it's just i don't know this is where things get so muddled when we're trying to piece out stuff like the dark one and the creator and the pattern and it, it is what it is i don't want to go too far into it because mm -mm, we still I, have I can't 13 make books <laughs> yeah i can't and i can't even make a coherent statement at this moment like this is something i need to really like look at and research so. yeah i get it i do kind of want to mention that i think the other reason why i think it's the creator and not the dark one mm -hmm. is that the dark one already has a shamael as his mouthpiece so why would he need to address him twice like, especially right, after right. doing our research on the Forsaken, like kind of the history of them and finding out that Ashamael is basically the Dark One incarnate whenever he kind of chooses to be. And his mouthpiece. Exactly. Yeah. So he's already been kind of posing as the Dark One. That's who Rand thinks that he's talking to anyway. So this has to be, to me, this has to be a separate entity from the Dark One. And I hadn't ever really like drawn that conclusion mm -hmm. before. So. I'm going to go into my next point, yes. which is Aganor. Aganor being the most disappointing of all the Forsaken. He really is. He is he's such a, like, wah-wah. <laughs> I remember on one of the ep our first episode we did with the Black Tower, I was talking about 
Aganor, how, you know, he shows up at the end of Eye of the World and we're supposed to think like, oh, like he's so powerful and nope, like seconds later, he's just a pile of ash. Right. It's like, oh, oh, okay. All right. I still don't want the series to bring Aganor back. I'm over Osengar mm-hmm. and Erengar. Mm-hmm. I'm over them. <laughs> Kalima can go too. Don't care. Yeah. I just, I don't. I actually, I, like I actually Halima side with you. I side with you after we talked about it last week or the week before. Oh, you changed your mind? Yeah, yeah, because you're right. They don't do anything. Halima comes in and she like does a few things, but she doesn't ever bring in any kind of information that others weren't already aware of. She wasn't really doing anything to Aguin other than, like you said, giving her headaches and nightmares. So mm-hmm. what was her purpose? his purpose her purpose and then it's almost like her purpose was just to show that the dark one mm, is a dick mm -hmm. i mean like and can bring people back from the dead at his his whim if you will in a way of punishment yes 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 yeah that's an excellent point and i think that's maybe i'm overthinking it no but i don't like that this man's punishment is being a woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Because we've seen the Dark One do so many horrible things mm-hmm. to so many people. Mm-hmm. What he did to Pot on Fame, mm-hmm. what he did to the guy at the Four Kings, his punishment where he was supposed to be like finding Rand for uh-huh. the Alzamon and the Dark One. And then like he thought he was going to get a reward for finding Rand. And then actually it was like in parentheses, the the reward wasn't what he had been hoping for. Mm-hmm. So basically like anguish. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, what's the worst thing that he could do to one of the Forsaken that's a womanizer? And it's like, so your punishment, the worst thing that he could possibly live through is being a woman. Right. <laughs> that sucks. Like, what does that say about About women? the treatment of women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and thinking Come about on. it from that perspective, too, mm-hmm. is different than looking at it the way that I, I had previously. But no, like, you made a great point. Oh, like, it, that idea of, like, karmic justice right? is yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. But like, it also feels a bit smarmy. And uncomfortable, which I mean, totally makes sense with what the Dark One would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He could he could bring him back as I don't know anything really. It's, anything, yeah. It doesn't matter what he comes back as, as long as there's a reason for him to come back. Yes, but there doesn't <laughs> seem like there was the the biggest the biggest payoff we get from Halima, I believe, is when Grendel. Grendel has her do the compulsion on that one guy for Rand when he goes to, like, wipe out Grendel's whole Mm. complex Mm -hmm. that she lived in. And I think that was, like, the last major use she had was being the person who got burned from the pattern instead of Grendel. Wild. Right? Yeah. And that's about it. Other than that, she really didn't have a whole heck of a lot of purpose. And then Agnor, his reincarnation, who becomes an Asha man who goes and studies at the Black Tower, he seems almost even more useless than Halima does mm. because all he does is mutter to himself a lot. And he's. Seen... That was his. That was his guys, right? Yeah. He was Just pretending to be. He was seen Easy, as like a so. like a farm, a farmer, 
like he didn't have the the bearing and the looks that Agnor had had in like his previous life or whatever. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was kind of how he was put in his place. But at the same time, he just was like this muttering fool who really just didn't do anything. <laughs> and then he died. This is almost like this technique that writers will do. I know that George R.R. R. Martin has been described like this as like a gardener mm. where their stories kind of will take a life of their own where sometimes you'll have a character and you're going to start pushing this character in one direction and thinking, okay, we'll place this character here on the chessboard. Mm -hmm. That way, when I'm writing and I come to a point where I need some type of opposition, I have this in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just what happens. This character was there in case there needed to be an issue. Yeah. Yeah, something. And then maybe wrote their way out of it or had to focus on other characters Mm -hmm. and other chapters because this world is so big and maybe we just kind of never really got back to it. Yeah, yeah. There are several things that I feel are like that would fall under that category as well. They just Mm -hmm. drop plot points and whatnot. More on Agonor and the Forsaken. They can channel pure Sidene without the tank, correct? Yes. So the power from the Eye of the World is... Kind of like similar to like when Rand has the access key. Mm-hmm. Like Agonor is just like goes super cyan, like just like, ah, like yeah. I have the power now. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> and I think this is interesting because we had talked the other the other episode about a cheesecloth for the taint. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. And. This is basically what the Dark One is doing for the Forsaken. Like, he's creating this sieve, like, this cheesecloth, so they're not affected. Yep, yep. Like, the, the Forsaken don't have to suffer from madness. Yep. But it almost feels like then the Dark One would be aware of each one. Like, he has this connection to mm-hmm, them and mm-hmm. when they're channeling. Mm-hmm. So maybe for Agonor, it was like a power grab. Ooh, like, if he could get... Yeah. If he could get that power, then he wouldn't have to be, I don't know, I don't want to say like a slave to the Dark One, but he could find, he could push himself away from it and do what he wanted without being in the Dark Ones. Or like in his debt? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know, but it's just weird. This whole eye of the world power grab thing with Agonor is just weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's so hard to describe I don't really get it either. And I had the same question that you did. Like if this were first time reading standalone, it would probably make more sense than it does with knowing some of the things that come later on. Because if you don't know that the Forsaken have access Mm -hmm. to Sadine through the Dark One, that has been cheesecloth to purity um yes (laughs) then you would think oh of course agonor wants this this pure Mm -hmm. sadine for himself because otherwise his only choice is the tainted sadine so Mm -hmm. it's very it's inconsistent that's really what it comes down to it's inconsistent (laughs) and i mean robert jordan i love you love the series I just feel like we haven't quite figured everything out yet on this one, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm I'm sticking with I'm it. I'm totally fine with it, too. Yeah. You work your stuff out in your novels. I'll fucking read it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I am down. <laughs> Change that shit up. Make it different. I want to see where you can take this. That's how I feel about all of it. So, yeah. I do. A power grab seems. It just feels. It feels different. 
And then the fact that like Bilesmon when he reaches when Rand reaches Bilesmon has that thick black cord that's kind of the opposite of what's running mm-hmm. from Rand from the eye. And really, and I think I probably yeah, this is the only time up until the cleansing of Sadine that Rand will channel pure Sadine. The only time. And I think that yeah. that is really interesting. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is where people say that the eye of the world was necessary because if Rand would have never been able to channel pure sighting, he never would have had the idea to cleanse the taint. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's the argument against the eye of the world MacGuffin. Oh, I like it. Um, Neither beginning nor end? Yes. It is interesting to think that Rand, like for this at least, feels like this is the end. They have mm-hmm. won. He speaks the Dark One's name. Doesn't go so yes. well. <laughs> no. No. More more nausea, more potential vomiting, more dizziness. More indigestion. Right? <laughs> I just want to hand him a fucking Zofran. Here, take this. Have some Tums. I promise you it's like tums magic. for the taint. <laughs> taint Tums. This, the idea of this being a standalone novel kind of comes into this with Rand thinking this is the end, Moraine in the very last chapter being like, haha, I found him. And it could, it could all just end here. It could all just end here. But really, this is just the beginning. And I'm so glad that it's just the beginning and that it changes the way it does. So I do think that it's interesting to think that Rand was like, this is it. This was all it took. And now mm-hmm. we're done. And it just feels so See, small. this is. This is the thing you can't state. You can't have your character state. This is going to be great. This is going to be easy. Now it's done because now you know it is not. It is, it is not. not. It is not. It is not. And Moraine. <laughs> it is not the best Beltine ever. Ever. No. And it never, ever is. And it really is like when <sighs> Moraine at the end of this chapter says what she says about Dream of Home. That just feels kind of cruel to me. Like. That's all he mm-hmm. can do is dream of home at this point. You know? Like he knows he can channel. He knows what happens when men who can channel go insane from touching tainted Sadine. And it usually ends up with a lot of people, if not all of the people they love, dying. And so Rand mm-hmm. can't possibly go home and Moraine knows it. Like mm-hmm. So that part just feels kind of cool. I know I'm kind of jumping a little bit it's, ahead, but no, it's it's like a thinly veiled lie to yes. make him feel better, despite it being completely, utterly false. It's not something that he will ever be able to experience Mm-mm. because we know, mm-hmm. we know, we know. Poor Rand. There's just so much about that. I think there's a. What does she say? He can live his life as the pattern allows him. Like, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. And we've already been yeah. told that as Taviran, the pattern kind of dictates how you live. So, yes. again, this dream of home, sleep well, it has this ominous feeling of this is just the beginning and it's going to get worse. And as much as it could be seen as comforting, I don't think that that is the underlying meaning of that yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah, this this next quote from Moraine, she mm-hmm. says, a tool made for a purpose is not demeaned by being used for that purpose. 
Moraine's voice was as harsh as his own. But a man who believes the father of lies demeans himself. You say you will not be used, and then you let the dark one set your path like a hound set after a rabbit by its master. Yeah. And this is just so, like, to me, this is so harsh mm-hmm. because she, within the series, tries to set his path for him mm-hmm. so many times. Mm-hmm. She even has words with Suan about not being able to force him into the place that she needs him to go mm-hmm. because of his Tavirin pull. Right. And it's hypocritical of Moraine to be like, you don't want to be used. Don't let them use you. But then in the same vein, already have plans of her own. Right. Where it's like, oh, Moraine. Yeah. Moraine. It's almost like you don't have a choice any longer. She's mm-hmm. just not flat out saying it, but she's definitely laying all the groundwork that needs to be laid down for it, that this is kind of his path unchosen. This is where he goes from here. And it's really, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a good thing that we get this ambiguous impression of Moraine by the end of this book. Like, it's very mm-hmm. easy to kind of see her as good when she's trying to Mm -hmm. save people, but she's also dropped lines like, I'll kill you myself before I let the Dark One have you. Her harshness here in the face of Rand's torment and realization that he's a man Mm -hmm. who can channel and what that means for him. Like, she is not a soft woman by any means. And I I do appreciate Maureen. I like her. I like the fact that she's more realistic than like a dreamer you know even Mm -hmm. though i'm totally the opposite and much more a dreamer than i am realistic no that's a great that's a great point because you need that anchor Mm -hmm. you need that character in your book yeah and it's it's nice like we need that contrast for sure and we we know that she's not all hard like we know that she's not just i don't want to say driven's not the right word because she is super driven Mm -hmm. but she's She's able to make decisions and do what she think is right, but she's still always, like, pushing people on that path. You know, she is a bulldozer mm-hmm. in that sense. Yes. Yeah. And she, like, pushes for what she feels is right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 53, the wheel turns. I do actually kind of want to ask, is there a possibility that Rand, Matt, and Perrin, or really even for that matter, any of the Men's Field 5, become heroes of the horn? I feel like a queen for sure could be her sacrifice, her strength, her rapid maturity. Can Heroes of the Horn channel? I'm sure some of them could be able to. Okay, we have to do a Horn of Value 101. Yeah, that's that's just necessary. (laughs) There are too many questions. And I mean, Mm -hmm. what is the next book is all about hunting for the Horn of Value. So we Mm -hmm. should definitely do a hunt for the horn. Is that next week now? (laughs) Is that our topic? I mean, it can be. I mean. Why not? I I don't have anything (laughs) planned. Do you? (laughs) Nope. Perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. Maybe we can figure out like what what it takes to be considered a horn of. Hero of the horn. Yeah. Yeah. I I would really want to know those things. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yay. Uh, I do feel okay. I do feel bad for Perrin because he's always one who's homesick. Um, mm. And Perrin's return to home later is really depressing. This is our first mention of Heartstone. That's going to tie into Aguin's journey later on. I like the connection there. And I think really that's about all I wanted to touch on for Chapter 52. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. I just want to talk about a little bit more about my feelings about the ending. I know I covered it a little bit. And then I want to talk about the teaser trailer. Yay! And I really, I love hearing your opinion about your first read through it. Because I think that okay. it's, I mean, for me, my first read through was almost 30 years ago. So I barely remember it. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like when I got to the end of The Eye of the World, I was a little bit like, meh. Mm-hmm. Okay. The last chapters are confusing and maybe, in my opinion, a little bit anticlimactic. So I was hoping on the reread I would be able to kind of explore my thoughts a little bit more and compare. Mm -hmm. And it really turns out that my opinion didn't change very much. (laughs) I don't Um, blame you. It's the same way when Rand battles the Dark One in a memory of light. I think it just comes down to me preferring actual physical battles Mm -hmm. over the metaphysical ones Mm -hmm. because Robert Jordan writing tactics and these characters going through all of the motions, Mm -hmm. it's great. Mm -hmm. But then when we have these metaphysical ones, I'm like, I'm just confused Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm questioning things and I don't like it. (laughs) And we... We talked about the inconsistencies, Mm -hmm. and I think it's really important to talk about within fantasy how a series needs to follow its own rules. Yes. Like something I mentioned earlier, I believe, when we were talking about Perrin having the wolf connection Mm -hmm. and how it was something of, like, old magic and how worried Perrin would be to try and explain the situation to someone because they would think he was crazy or, you know, maybe enchanted or possessed or whatever you want to call it, not human. Yeah. And so when we get these feelings from him, it makes sense because in the rules of this fantasy world, Mm -hmm. this magic is different than channeling. Mm -hmm. Channeling isn't even really referred to as magic, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It is just something that people are capable Mm -hmm. of doing it's not a trick it's you know it's just something within their souls so it's it's almost not even really magic Mm -hmm. so fantasy series need to follow these guidelines Mm -hmm. because when when rand can travel without memorizing the location oh yeah he's choosing to go to Mm -hmm. it just ends up like him doing it accidentally Mm -hmm. and then maybe there is another explanation that i haven't thought of But regardless, once you start breaking these rules, Mm -hmm. anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And when anything is possible, nothing is surprising. That's true. Or it's just inconsistency. Mm -hmm. So I really had to sit down and put my thoughts into words and really think about it. Mm -hmm. But like we mentioned earlier, I think the ending for this book works really well if he was in the position where it would have had to be an a standalone novel Mm -hmm. there's this ambiguity Mm -hmm. and if we stop here we can say like yay Mm -hmm. rand defeated the big bad but then there's this question of like oh but did he right yeah because moraine is like that is not the dark one and then robert jordan kind of masterfully left much much more of a story to tell Mm -hmm. and gave himself that option to keep writing if he's given the chance Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I honestly believe that he was kind of hampered into a corner with Eye of the World. Mm. I'm sure 
His editors were wanting him to make a novel that felt familiar to fantasy readers. Mm -hmm. And then once the novel was wildly successful, he could cut the restraints and just go full Jordan. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it almost makes me a little bit sad because The Eye of the World is a fantastic novel. Mm -hmm. But if his hand hadn't been maybe guided a little bit and reined in Mm -hmm. to feel familiar, how much different would it be? Would it be a gathering storm? Would it be a little bit more Jordan, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that makes sense? Yeah. The other take that I have on that, because I agree with you completely, and so this is just kind of like an observation, is Mm -hmm. this is the baby step into the world. And so it's Mm -hmm. because later on when we start reading the books, we get, point of views from so many different characters sometimes even in the same chapter we get like two or three different point of views and that's where I'm like that's where I like love the series that's where I dig in because there's so much action and movement and then in Eye of the World you're basically just Moraine Rand you get a couple little baby moments with Perrin Mm -hmm. and like one or two naive Mm -hmm. point of views yeah I don't think we ever get I don't think we I ever mean, get an Egwene point of view. We definitely don't right, get a land point of view. Right. And that's just that's just not Robert Jordan, I feel mm-hmm. like. Because when we move forward, he starts to hop around a lot mm-hmm. more. And then I feel like the pacing mm-hmm. is much different. Mm-hmm. The complexity of the series really yeah. expands past book yeah, two. Yeah, that's a great, that's a really great point, mm-hmm. the complexity. Yeah. Maybe that's just what I'm missing from the eye of mm. the world. It does feel really straightforward. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like this thing follows this thing. And of course, we're going to get to this point. We're going to have a big battle. Like, it feels really formulaic. But it also, like you said, lays down enough groundwork to create this substantial fantasy world. That's the one thing that I love about Eye of the World. Jordan left this path Mm -hmm. and had had the book not been successful, we would have never gotten the rest of it but he just he masterfully left these outs Mm -hmm. in so many little points and maybe even misdirections Mm -hmm. so that as we go throughout the series we continue to keep making these connections Mm -hmm. yeah and i i finished i finished eye of the world after our last recording like Mm -hmm. i just went outside and i sat outside and i just finished it right off but then i i was like how does like how does the great hunt begin? And so I mm-hmm. was on my Kindle at quick flip to the next book. And it's that it's that gathering of all of yeah. the dark friends, all wearing mm-hmm. these these cloaks and they're all covered and like some of them are really obvious about who they are and others are not. And you get this incredibly different scenery than anything I feel like you like it kind of resembles the nightmare worlds that happen with Brandon Perrin and Matt so there's still that connection but it is immediately far more complex than anything we face in eye of the world like we get nations called out we get tattoos called out we get specific style of boots called out like Mm-hmm. All of these things in this moment of what should be an anonymous gathering. And it's, you're like, well, who are you? From the from the very beginning of The Great Hunt, we are given these like breadcrumb, like a breadcrumb trail yeah. to follow. Yeah. And we start out with somebody who isn't even a main character. How weird is that? 
that's why I appreciate The Great Hunt so much mm-hmm. because it's like you could say The Eye of the World is the opening of the door into the series, but I really feel like The Great Hunt is actually the one where you're in it. Yeah. I mean, I think The Eye of the World is definitely necessary. I don't think you could have mm-hmm. gotten to that next step without having The Eye of the World. Right. But the pacing right. does feel different. It is almost... But we're, you know what? We're we're lucky in the fact that it was written how it was written. Oh, yeah. Because if it, if it wouldn't have been successful, mm-hmm. if it wouldn't have made money for the publishers, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have let him continue writing. So regardless of my personal preference of how a story is written, right. I'm appreciative that... That things worked was, out the way that they did. Yeah, yeah. right. Because then we've got this mountain of books to climb and this story to like just get lost in and it's wonderful Mm -hmm. I think it does give us like because New Spring when he did New Spring he had plans for another two books at least for prequel material but because Mm -hmm. the fans didn't really rally around the prequel the other two books stopped their planning process and I mean and then he passed away so that changes things and too, it was the timing of New Spring where I think people were waiting on the next book for the series, yeah. but then they were given a prequel and then they're like, ah, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. I really want to see how the story continues. I don't want to go back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding yeah. me? I feel, so I feel that because when it came out, I think I was still reading the series and when that came out, I was mad. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. I mean, totally. It was like, Definitely. but. But what about everybody else? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> yeah. Why? It was time. Mm-hmm. Time was the problem. Mm-hmm. If Robert Jordan were three people, maybe we could have gotten all of it out. But we just, unfortunately, he was battling with, you know, his health. So mm-hmm. it's just, we have what we have and I'm thankful for oh, it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. For fuck's I don't sake, wanna, yes. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I want to yes. leave it on that because it's a good note, I think. It is. And now I want I want to talk about very quickly yes. the teaser, mm-hmm. the trailer teaser. Mm-hmm. So we... Now we know is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing, which is super exciting. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, my face hurts from smiling. Okay. So you watched it, right? You, mm-hmm. you saw it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first thing that stood out to me is the fact that the snake eating its own tail was the biggest focal point, which made me think of the I said I symbol being the focal point. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that the story is going to circle the White Tower Mm. as maybe a center to the story? Is that possible? I think yes. That would shock people, right? Yes. But it would also make sense to fans because the Mm -hmm. White Tower is undeniably like the center of power for the Westlands. And I mean, that's why they have the reputation they have. There are so many things and shadiness going on within the white mm-hmm. tower alone mm-hmm. that you could cover eight years worth of a tv series definitely easy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and this is just not even i mean not even talking about the emmons fielders like there is so much material there you could really do anything mm-hmm. and that to me would be shocking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. secondly there were I think this is really cute, but there was a text on the Twitter logo changed their logo to the new logo that we just saw. Mm. And on the top hand corner, there's something kind of hidden in the old tongue. So they had written something and it says, I'm not, you know what, I'm, 
This is going to be hilarious, me trying to pronounce the old tongue. Kadome kalachine gani ata'an amenhai. And of course, some super sleuth on the internet was able to translate it like lightning quick. And it means, for the people of the dragon are always welcome here. I thought that was really sweet of them to like encode a little message to fans. Like... Okay, how do you feel about the font and the metallic? I am of two minds. One, mm-hmm. I like simple, and it definitely meets mm-hmm. that. But two, there's something kind of Game of Thrones-ish about it. Like the, the I'm way not, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, the way that it comes in on that circle, like that just feels so much like the building up of the various places mm-hmm. on whatever it is for so what you're saying is that it's there's that level of familiar familiarity mm-hmm. where <laughs> the show is gonna is always i think going to be compared to game of thrones always always it's inevitable i'm really excited to see how it's received and how it does in contrast to the game of thrones spin-off series that are coming out yeah i don't know how i feel about those spin-off series I'm not really that excited for Mm-mm. House of the Dragon. I loved uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, but the Wheel of Time is so, 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 so different. And I think it would be amazing for people to see and understand and recognize how much Jordan's work in fantasy has been used in other exactly. novels yep. and series. When I first read the first moment where Avienza comes in, she specifically tells Rand he knows nothing. And here we have this foreign man <laughs> with a redheaded girl. And I'm like, I know this story. And it's it's yep. really cool because, I mean, you see like how pieces of the Wheel of Time have been pulled into other fantasy series Mm -hmm. where maybe it was just a trope or something Mm -hmm. but it will be really cool for a song of ice and fire fans to be like that came first Mm -hmm. you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i don't think that some people know yeah i don't either like that's that's actually one of my concerns is that people are going to be like oh it's just it's just amazon prime trying to make their own game of thrones which is true but it's not new material. It's material that's older than mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. So it's really the reverse. Martin was inspired yeah. by Jordan, not the other way around. However, yeah. we now do live in a world where Game of Thrones came first as a TV show. And it is just right. going to be inevitable that people are going to compare them. Want to compare. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even potentially discount a series that looks like it's trying to be something else. And that's one of the things that I think once they pull off a really successful show, mm-hmm. it will kind of fall away and enough people will mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, have you seen this show? And that's what I'm kind of hoping for is that yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be appealing to people who have read it, people who haven't read it, people who are expecting just another Game of Thrones, people who are dying for a better Game, game of Thrones. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm hoping for. If it's nothing like the book and we still get the same characters with like, I I want it. I want something different. This has been around for 30 years. Give us something different. Upgrade it. Bring it into the 21st century. I'm down. I love all of it. So, yeah, 
I think I think that's where we should end. I love it. It's perfect. Done. <laughs> okay. Another one in the Done. bag. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.